Are there nerds here tonight? Nerds! You are a part of the lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. And Carissa. Not hot in spite of being a geek, but because of it. Being a nerd, it's not about what you love. It's about how you love it. Hey guys. Hey. This is Evan. And I'm Carissa. And welcome to The Lucky 10,000, the show that proves that anyone can be a geek about anything. Yeah. And this is a very special episode, mainly because we just wanted to shake things up a little bit. And we started doing that by having every third episode be a nerd rage <laughs> episode. Uh, but then we decided that, you know, it's not all anger and bile. Sometimes you got to show some nerd love. Yeah. So this will be nerd love. <laughs> Well, this will be more in line with just geeking out about stuff. Uh, Yeah, but I still want to call it nerd love. Okay, you go right ahead. And today's subject is going to be the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Which is, of course, super geeky and also nerdy and totally awesome. Yes, and I'm just going to tell you listeners right now, there will be no Equilibrium-style rant in this episode. There's no. not a single Marvel movie that we have a right to rant about. I mean, Let's... we could have criticisms of some of them. Oh, sure. They're not bit, perfect. But no ranting but at all. There's no fucking close. Yeah, no room for ranting here. No, not at all. And But in order to get into why the Marvel movies, the superhero universe they've created is so good, let's take a quick look back at the history of superhero movies. And I think it's really crucial to start by talking about casting because one of the reasons I think the Marvel universe has been so successful is they almost always seem to find the perfect person for the perfect role. Yeah. And as we have seen in past superhero movies, that really can be what makes or breaks a series. Um, obviously, the first big superhero movie that we remember from our generations, and I know you're not a huge fan of Superman as a character, but you cannot deny the casting of Christopher Reeve was pitch perfect. It was, it was actually very good for the time, especially. Yes. I think you might be able to argue that other casting choices could have been better, but I honestly don't. Looking yeah, and, back, I don't think that would be true. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of feel like people at the time didn't appreciate it much, but that's mainly because they didn't have a glut of fails in the superhero movie universe to compare it to, where even with the Superman actors that have come along since then, the biggest thing about Christopher Reeve to me was how well he separated Superman and Clark Kent. No one has done it that well. Okay. His Clark Kent, you almost bought the fact that no one at the Daily Planet would know that he was Superman. You can't buy it completely. No one can buy it completely. Right. But you came pretty fucking close. I yeah, thought he there was were wonderful. distinct mannerisms absolutely as opposed to i put on some glasses right and he was an actor you know i mean people don't think about christopher reeve that way but he studied and he took it very seriously um and then you know the other but i'm sure at the time it made sense now that superhero movies are big money and now that you know when magazines and when the comics became so popular in the 80s magazines were devoted to talking about them and there was a very long break between the last good Superman movie and then the next big superhero movie to come along. And we all remember what 
shit people threw over the casting of Michael Keaton as Batman. Even Which when I was them. Yeah, well, we didn't know it at the time. <laughs> you heard Mr. Mom is going to be Batman? Uh Beetlejuice is going to be Batman. Beetlejuice is going to be Batman? Johnny awesome. Dangerously is going to be Batman? I mean... The guy that did that movie with Henry Winkler is going to be Batman? I'm too young. I was... I am. Not I am too young. I was too young at the time to know anything about... Uh, the fandom reaction to that casting was not good. Yeah, I remember that everybody being super skeptical, and yeah. but I didn't care I, you know, how old I was. Right. I did not care. He was, he was fantastic. He's a the great Batman. Was, great jack nicholson was phenomenal uh, well that was the thing as soon as we heard jack nicholson was cast as the joker everyone went oh i can see that <laughs> yeah but the thing is like because michael keaton actually met him there like his performance was on par <gasps> right but it's which very is something easy. you can't say all the time about oh, everyone God, no. like you can't say that about in my opinion about heath ledger christian bill did not meet heath ledger because um, what was it Night. The Dark Knight, yeah. It was just The Dark Knight? Yeah. Was the name of the second one? Yeah. Yeah. I don't call it The Dark Knight. The second movie is The Heath Ledger, <laughs> Heath Ledger movie. Yeah. It's the Heath Ledger well, show. But, uh, Nothing I, comes close to him I would say, and I know you disagree with me on this point, and we won't spend too long on it because we want to get to the Marvel movies. Yeah. I like Christian Bale's Batman slightly better than Michael Keaton's Batman. I, and... I generally do, too. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And that wasn't Michael Keaton's fault. I think no. the, the script allowed Christian Bale, because the one thing that I think Michael Keaton was missing was showing the public playboy persona of Bruce Wayne. But the script never gave him the opportunity to do that. Yeah, I mean, that was a writing and directing thing. Right. Now, I'm not going to say issue, because I think that the way they went with it was a perfectly fine right. thematic choice. And they right. went with it well. They wrote it well for that choice. But also but, what... Tim Burton did with his Batman movies is what a lot of superhero movies have done is kind of almost ignore the superhero. Yeah. It's all about the villains. The villains get the dimensions while the superhero is just sort of a secondary character almost. Whereas the Christopher Nolan Batman movies really put Batman front and center, especially Batman Begins. Yes. So there, that was not Michael Keaton's fault at all. He was a great Batman, although no other movie series I can think of fits the bill of the law of diminishing returns more than the first four Batman movies, especially with their casting. Oh, God, yeah. You can yeah. say what you want about all the puns and the awful choice of Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze in Batman and Robin. And I think George Clooney is a very talented man. He was not Batman. No, and he, he agrees with you. Yes, he does. In <laughs> uh, the brilliant differences Christopher Reeve portrayed between... Uh, Clark Kent and Superman. We cannot say the same about Clooney. No. Like Clooney as Batman would walk into a room and you would expect everyone to go, why is Bruce Wayne wearing a Batman outfit? <laughs> is this hey. a costume party? Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's me, Batman. <laughs> Wait, let me go change. <laughs> hey, it's me, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And yeah, Clooney admits that. Val Kilmer wasn't great either uh but again like they sort of made bruce wayne just a boring person so there's yeah. no dimensions to find in him um yeah. and that's why the christopher nolan movies got it so right then you have this glut of just awful superhero movies does anyone ever remember the 1990 captain america or the 1990 fantastic four the 1990 Captain America and Fantastic oh Four? You've never seen no. that? No. 
Well, the Fantastic Four of the 1990s was a Roger Corman movie, I believe. You must find YouTube clips from it. You must. And same can be said for Captain America. You must find some YouTube clips of the 1990 Captain America. All I remember about that movie is seeing a poster for it at the mall and going, they're making a Captain America movie? And then years later going, whatever happened to that Captain America movie? And seeing someone making fun of it on YouTube. It's dreadful. Okay, here's the uh, just... I want to move on because I don't want to harp on this, but the film is based on the Marvel comics superhero of the same name, Captain America. Uh, Steve Rogers becomes Captain America during World War II to battle the Red Skull. Frozen and Ice subsequently revived to save the president of the United States from a crime family that dislikes his environmentalist policies. (laughs) Moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's dreadful. Um, Then you had things like that we appreciated at the time because there weren't that many superhero movies around like Spawn. But you look back at it and go, huh, not very good. Um, I didn't think it was very good to begin with. I did because I was like, it's fun. That yeah. was my whole like thing about the Yay. Um, so that just started a whole glut. And, and, you know, I think we are in the middle of such a great renaissance of superhero movies. And one of the reasons we have a renaissance of superhero movies is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Uh, it's not yes, that they're they solely credited with that. I'm... It's not that there weren't good superhero movies around that time or before then, but what we had never seen and what we had always wanted to see was a series of comic book movies that felt like comic books. Comic books, exactly. They were all interconnected. They were building a world as opposed to, you know, you might get uh, an odd uh, uh, reference to. Gotham City in Superman Returns, which you actually do get because they had planned on making a Justice League movie when Batman Begins and Superman Returns came out. And then they decided to scrap that plan. They were building a universe very much akin to what Marvel did later. And I remember at the time the news was, okay, well, we're not going to do a live action Justice League movie. We're going to do a theater CGI Justice League movie. And I went, aw. And then they said, yeah, we're just not going to do a Justice League movie. Mm-hmm. Well, they missed the fucking boat so bad. I've always been more of a Marvel guy, except for maybe Batman, because he's awesome. But mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen a live-action Justice League movie. And boy, is DC kicking themselves now, because the news that they were going to do an Iron Man movie came out And I thought, huh, I've never really been that interested in Iron Man. Sure, I had some Iron Man comics. But I thought, he's never been my favorite. Right. And then they said, yeah, but guess who's playing him? And I pretty much creamed my pants when I heard that. Because, Uh, like, Robert Downey Jr. has been a, not, like, I don't want to call him a favorite of mine. Because if someone's like, who's your favorite actors? And I list my top ten favorite actors, he's not on the list. Oh, really? That's just the truth. I okay. just, he does not come up in the top 10. Right. Just randomly. If someone just pointed a gun at my head and said, tell me it's your top 10 favorite actors. Top talk. 20, though. Um, probably, if I really wanted to sit down and think about that mm-hmm. many favorite actors. But he's been consistently an actor I love mm-hmm. to watch for my whole life that I can remember. Mm-hmm. Like in his old doing drugs and drinking all the time and going to rehab and coming back out days. And making amazing movies while he was yes. at it days. He has never been in a movie that I've seen him in 
that he wasn't amazing in. Even if the movie around him yep. was kind of shit. Yep. He's just been fantastic. Robert Downey Jr. is one of those guys that he is a good actor, but he the he's the definition of on-camera charisma. Like, you can't not want to see him. And he yeah. speaks very naturally, never feels like he's saying something that's rehearsed. And at the time, of course, he was sort of out of vogue with the movies because he had some alcohol issues. He had jail issues. And then you hear, oh, wait, Tony Stark's got alcohol issues. Tony Stark has a very dark side. Tony Stark knows about addiction. And he's like, hey, I... I uh, Yeah, I, I, I do all that I know, stuff. I know something about that a little bit, yeah. And also... uh. John Favreau was going to write and direct it. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the thing, and I think uh, anyone that's listening to this that hasn't heard this before, go back and listen to Kevin Smith's An Evening with Kevin Smith's story about when he was hired to write the new reboot of Superman. And one of the most poignant things he says when he tells that story, it's an amazing story, first of all, whether you like Kevin Smith or not, it's an amazing story because mm-hmm. it just shows you how Hollywood viewed this type of thing back then. Sure, But... They brought him into the studio to see if he wanted to write this movie, and he goes, why don't you get some comic book guys to write this movie? They know the mythology. They know these characters inside and out. And the studio head's response was, as eh, comic book people. It's not the same. Well, somebody wised up. And, you know, again, there are other movies before the, uh, the whole Avengers universe started that did it well. You know, the first X-Men movie, the second X-Men movie especially. Great movies. Very entertaining. The first Spider-Man movie. The the first and the second. I love the second Spider-Man movie. until Iron Man was the best comic book movie. Spider-Man 1, the best comic book movie Well, I think Spider-Man 2 actually took what Spider-Man 1 did and and made it better. I don't agree. I love Spider-Man But mostly it's a matter of opinion and not a matter of, like, criticism. Right. You can't say that there's a huge drop-off between either one. You can definitely make that argument about three, but we'll not talk uh, about that. No. <laughs> um, so, they, but they were made by people who knew the comic book characters, grew up yep. with the comic book characters, and loved the comic book characters, as opposed to someone like Joel Schumacher who just went, "It's a comic book." Yeah, colors, shiny, neon things that don't understand the mythology, and that there is, you know, on the surface, yes, it might be just silly people in costumes fighting crime, but. Underneath, it means something to people, and there is a mythology. What are comic books today, if not simply Homer's Odyssey for our generation? Sure. And so somebody wised up and said, John Favreau knows how to make movies, and he loves comics. Let's give him the launching pad for this massive cinematic universe we're going to create, and you get Iron Man, mm-hmm. which takes a character – in fact, the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe really should be credited for taking some second tier and third and fourth tier characters and making people go, oh, wait, these guys are fucking awesome. Yeah. And the first Iron Man movie is a great example of that. It's not it's, super it's the dark. Best. It's the best. It's the best movie. <laughs> it, it's, yeah. And it's not like it's not a super dark movie, but it also doesn't wink at the camera. No, it is. I think that what they have done very well for the most part with all of the movies thus far mm-hmm. has been take the kind of the the mean yes or the average of this character's story yes. and bring that bring it to that level yes. so you know yes there have been really really dark places that a lot of these characters have gone absolutely early in all of their days they were like super 
super four color comic, very straight by the comic book. Yes. Sort of cheesy overtones and themes or whatever. So it they've all fluctuated from some variation of really dark to super light. Yes. And they just they took the appropriate mean of all of those yes. stories and made the characters fit that mean. Because you can't take every storyline. There's so much divergence, right. so much retconning, so much that's contradictory from any given character to any other given character yes. or their own stories. Or they're crossing but, mythologies that change yeah, with yes, every few issues. So what they've done, what all, I think, of the scripts and directors have done ha- and the actors have done – have brought the kind of the the soul of the character, yes. just where it all condenses the most, the point of the character's Venn diagram that's the middle. Right. They brought that center to the whole of the story, and it has worked out brilliantly. And they also just didn't say, hey, I bet this guy would look good in the suit. He's a handsome guy. Let's cast him. They've casted, for the most part, actors. Yeah. Robert Downey respected the craft of acting. Therefore, you give him a character. If he signs on to do it, he's going to take it seriously. He's going to well, research the character. He campaigned for his own casting in yeah. Iron Man. So, like, he not only would would work out really well at this casting call, he had to make them give it to him. Yes. But all you had to do was walk into the room and go, I'm Robert Downey Jr. I am Tony Stark. And they would go, that's a good point. And, you know, God bless Favreau for giving him the chance because people gave him shit about that. Yep. Like you're putting this multi-million dollar, billion dollar franchise that we want to make on the shoulders of a guy who has proven again and again that he's unreliable. And Favreau said, yeah. Yeah, because he's Iron Man. Because he is that character. Like, have you seen it? Can I? This is Iron Man. Yeah. You've seen him, right? You've met because that's Iron Man. Let me show you a picture from the comic of Tony Stark. Let me show you a picture of Robert Downey Jr. with a goatee. Also, have you read his life? Like, yes. <laughs> go on Wikipedia for half a second. Uh, he's Iron Man. So, yes. yes, I'm casting Iron Man as Iron Man. Got yes. a problem with that? Don't think so. Yeah, exactly. So then you get Iron Man, which by itself is a great movie. Also, to be totally honest, for some reason, Gwyneth Paltrow has never been sexier to me than she is in those movies. I can't explain it. You know, I I don't know her, so I don't have I don't like dislike her as a person. But I don't find that what I know about her personal life, I don't really think we'd hang out. No, I don't either. Um, I don't think we'd get along very well. I don't well. eat only lettuce. And I'm not a huge fan of most of her work, but she is perfect as Pepper Potts. She really She's is perfect. She was mind-blowingly perfect for that role. She really is. So there you have it: the Iron Man movie. That everyone thought, I don't know, he's a second-tier character, you got an unreliable actor playing him. Guess what? It's a great movie, and it was a huge hit. Yeah. And then they started that great tradition of the post-credit tease. Yep. And that's when we really started to – And oh, you know what? I hate to say it. Oh, that was when the, the tease for Iron Man was when Samuel L. Jackson popped up yes. for the first time as Nick Fury. Again – I love Samuel L. Jackson. However, let's just say it. He can be very hit or miss. He is one of the most boring Jedi ever written or put on film. And he's Samuel L. Jackson. How do you make that man boring? Mm -hmm. But he shows up as Nick Fury, and all he has to do is stand there looking like Nick Fury. And you go, oh, okay. And tells Tony Stark, Iron Man, 
that he is preparing a super team and it's the Avengers Protocol. Avengers Initiative. The Avengers Initiative, excuse me. <clears throat> and that's when everyone goes, <gasps> They're gonna do it. So remind me, because the chronology gets very confusing. Uh, you have a list in front of you. I'm assuming that Captain America was next. No. No. It was no. the Incredible Hulk. Phase one was Iron Man and Incredible Hulk. Okay. Now we all remember how excited we were when we saw the trailer for the first Eric Bana Hulk movie. Uh, yes, I remember how excited I was. Not excited at all. It looked terrible. I thought it looked awesome, and I'm talking about the teaser. Not yeah, the main it trailer. Terrible. No, I thought it looked cool. I remember sitting. I can't remember what movie I was watching, but I remember the trailer going. Oh, they're making a Hulk movie. Oh, he threw the sink out the door. It's gonna be awesome. And then we saw the movie. Now, I'm not a hater, hater, but I'm not one of those people that has to have my action right away. But if you're 45 minutes into your Hulk movie and the one thing you're missing is the Hulk. You got a little bit of a problem. Like you have Jennifer Connelly. She's pretty. But I've never seen a more angsty Hulk in my life. It was a terrible movie. I don't want to dwell on it because I like to forget that it existed. Yeah. Well, I don't know if anyone ever thought about an extended Marvel Universe when that movie came out. No. But they sort of did a reboot with the Incredible Hulk and recast. We all love Edward Norton. He's a great actor. Yes, he's an incredible actor. And the movie was really entertaining i thought it was much better i think it was a it was actually a really well done movie people was, don't hate the incredible hulk it's no just, and i think that a lot of it is that there is just a, a very large sigh of relief because though we want to believe that the world that we live in does not have the original stupid angry yeah. hulk <laughs> movie in it but we know deep down it actually did exist uh so this was not that yeah, and thank God Ang Lee went on to direct Brokeback Mountain. Because then you're like, oh, that's right, he can make good movies. <laughs> like, really good movies. Brokeback Mountain made me cry. Anyway, um, now, you know, the big trick about the Hulk is, A, it has to be CGI. They're not going to bring fucking Lou Ferrigno in there and just stand in front of whoever's playing Bruce Banner and go, I'm the Hulk. Yeah. But um, I do like the way you see the Hulk for the first time in The Incredible Hulk because it's almost like a horror movie. It's people in a dark room. They don't yes. know what's going on. The Hulk should be scary. The way that they chose to make the Hulk – because The Incredible Hulk, the good one that we're talking about in yeah. 2008 with Ed Norton and Liv Tyler in it. Uh, also, Tim Roth, though I hated, hated – whatever he was called the abomination or yeah 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 yeah. whatever i thought it was a terrible choice <laughs> for a villain and i think they did it really weirdly yeah up until kind of the end point of that yeah tim roth did a great job oh tim but roth's everybody fantastic everybody in the movie was fantastic yeah i liked that they got these really kind of cerebral actors yes to come into this this very modern and again check on hide story actors not yeah. just good-looking people. Right. People that take so the craft seriously. They they took the their kind of average for the Hulk in the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Was the the scientist? It was the Jekyll and Hyde core of the yes, story. Yes. It was not the superhero big monster core right. of the story or the the nerdy almost Spider-Man esque version of right the story. It was the core of the Jekyll and Hyde. He is. A doctor. He is a scientist. He is incredibly intelligent. And he doesn't like what has happened to him. Exactly. But he is also the Hulk. Yes. 
Like and those there two are things some, are there are some really great moments in that movie. I yes. love the scene when he's in the cave with Liv Tyler and he gets mad at Thunder and yes. throws a rock at it. Yes. Take um, that sky. Yeah. And, you know, he even in the cave with her, you're not 100 percent sure that she's safe, mm-hmm. which is a great aspect. I love when they were going to have sex because Edward Norton never really played the feel sorry for me role. Yeah. But in that moment, you go, dude, can't even get laid. Oh, man. And his conflict and his just sheer goodness as a person really showed as opposed to the I'm tortured. He just like, I just don't want to hurt anyone. Yeah. That's I think the he whole played thing. it well. I think they directed it well. I think it was not the other one. And that right. made it even better. Uh, I was a little hesitant when I heard about the recasting of Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Why was that? Do we know why Edward Norton wasn't asked back? Was it him or did he choose not to or did they just not like him or what? I've heard he can be a little difficult. I want to say that it was just a scheduling thing, but I don't know for sure. I I hope so because he needs to work more. We don't see him in enough things. Oh, he – Edward Norton says apparently that he chose never to play the Hulk again because he, quote, wanted more diversity with his career, didn't want to be associated with only one character. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, I could see that being a risk, but you have to imagine he must have signed a long-term contract when they did that movie because they had the plan in place. He did. And uh, I think that that's stupid because it's Ed Norton. It's not like this was the first role he'd ever played. Yeah, but I mean, I guess as an actor – I could see him being paranoid about it and letting that paranoia kind of make the decision for him. I don't see a situation where Mark Ruffalo is not going to get cast in something else because like, but you're the Hulk, dude. You're just the Hulk. He's already got such a great track record. So does Ed Norton. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, it doesn't seem like there were any like super hard feelings. I didn't really know. I, I'm not a huge fan of Mark Ruffalo. I don't dislike him. I just, he's kind of, he's an actor. Like, I don't, whatever. Right. I, I was so a big I fan. I, you know, I loved Mark Ruffalo in uh, uh, Zodiac and The Kids Are All Right. You know, he's just a beautiful, natural actor. He's a great presence, but he also is so good at just being natural and real. Uh, but we can get to him later because we haven't gotten to his appearances Hulk yet. So The Incredible okay. Hulk, we're both on board. It's good. Okay, we so enjoyed it. A little bit of a step down maybe from Iron Man? A lot of a step down from Iron Man. I don't know if I'd say a ton. It was, I enjoyed it. Was it. A lot. Yeah, it was none – of these movies are less than very enjoyable. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. None right. Exactly. It's like even the worst of them is very enjoyable. Right. So, so now the phase one, the order, let's just get all six yeah. out of the way. Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, the first Avenger, oh, Marvel's wow. the Avengers. Okay. That was totally a reversal in my head of what I thought. So we get Iron Man 2 before we get Thor. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Cause it had the teaser at the end with the hammer. Yes. And Incredible Hulk had the teaser at the end where Tony Stark talks to the uh, army dude, uh, <laughs> you know, celebrated film actor who I've forgotten his name. Um, William Hurt. William Hurt. Yes. Thank you. Thank I can't you. I can't believe I okay. his name. <laughs> Me too. I was just like, ah, ah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Tony Stark meets him in a bar and says, hey, I want the Hulk. And you go, ooh, we're getting closer. So then Iron Man 2, which a lot of people view as an inferior sequel, I it enjoyed it. 
Again, none of them are less than perfectly enjoyable. No. Um, it was not Iron Man 1. If there was... If it was guilty of anything, it's guilty of what a lot of superhero movies are guilty of in just trying to cram too much into one film. I liked uh, Mickey Rourke as the main bad guy, but he kind of wasn't the main villain. He had one scene where he whips at Tony Stark and then they hit him with a car a bunch of times. (laughs) And then Sam Rockwell all of a sudden sort of takes over as the main villain. And then Tony Stark has some inner conflicts and then they introduce Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And I don't care who you are, Scarlett Johansson is one of the hottest women alive. Agreed. And really looks great in red hair and skin-tight leather. That may have been kind of all she was in Iron Man 2, but it was enough. Here's two things about Iron Man 2 for me. Uh, one, I really did not like Sam Rockwell. Oh, really? I normally love Sam Rock. Like, I think he played the role fine. I don't yeah. think his performance was subpar. I just, I, the, char- that character yeah. as a counterpoint to, right. it was, it was so juvenile. Yeah. Like, the character was so right, juvenile. Right, 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 That I, like, really, just shoot him with a laser. Like, I don't, <laughs> he's dumb he can't he's stupid this is not exactly a great nemesis is what you're saying honestly that's that's a thing like there are some not all that great nemeses that's true and that's okay it's a comic book movie i'm willing to accept a lot of that because there's source material to work from and kind of a general theme that you're going for i get it but it was so like it robbed i think mickey rourke's character from being compelling as a villain well they had that great intro with him yeah where he you know it shows the hatred he has and you know whatever you can say about mickey work the decisions he's made he's a wonderful actor and he showed that tortured you know he had a motivation you know you honestly thought this is gonna be the guy and i remember seeing the commercials and seeing him in his suit going Okay, he's got a couple of whips, but he's got every other part of his body exposed. How's he going to go up against Iron Man? And then you see it and you go, okay, well, now it's time for him to reinvent himself. And then the rest of the movie is kind of every once in a while you see him and Sam Rockwell hanging out until yeah. the end. Yeah. So I was like, and oh. It was, the story was a little, a little weak in places. A little scattershot. Here's the second thing and the bigger thing for me. Mm-hmm. It ended up being fine, but I was really really disappointed that Terrence Howard was replaced by Don Cheadle. Yeah. Well, like I have nothing against Don Cheadle. No, he is he's great. incredible. And he's he great. did a very good job. And like, they did one of those beautiful little in-joke things when you first see him in the movie at the courthouse, you know, in front of the Senate, not the courthouse, mm-hmm. but the in front of the Senate. And Tony Stark sees him, doesn't expect him to be there. And he goes, I'm here. Get used to it. Which was basically looking at the audience going, yep, not Terrence Howard. Fuck you. Yep. <laughs> and, and I love it when they do stuff like that. Like, seriously, he did a great job. I have, He's great. I have nothing against Don Cheadle's performance. But, but Terrence I Howard is a Terrence wonderful Howard actor. Terrence Howard was incredible as He's a as wonderful Rody. actor, although if you want to talk about somebody I've heard is difficult. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Oh. I think that's why he was recast. I heard he's I mean, a very difficult man to work with. I, whatever. It, do, it works out fine, and he does a fine job, and I think that he's a perfect addition. Yeah, now. he's great. Like, but in it did take a little bit of getting used. I never like casting changes, period, in movies. 
um, mainly because it screws up the mythology. It screws up the world they're trying to create when you have to get used to, you know, this is especially when you're crafting such a big world and then a major character is just simply a different guy. Doesn't matter how good the actor is that replaces the first actor for a little while at least. I'm like, oh man, mm-hmm. because even in a situation like the Batman movies, you know, I didn't hate Katie Holmes in Batman Begins. She was, no, fine. she was fine, and you know, oh my god, why am I so bad with names today? Maggie Gyllenhaal Maggie is Gyllenhaal? a better actress than Katie Holmes, and I'll give uh, her that any day of the week. But I would have rather had Katie Holmes simply because. That is the character that I first saw, and now I have to get adjusted to a world you're creating where all of a sudden someone is completely different. I've never liked that. So, yeah, I have nothing against Don Cheadle. He's great. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice if – It had worked out. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But it didn't, and we got Don Cheadle, and once you got used to him, he was great. He did. He did a perfectly fine job. And I seriously don't want anybody to feel like I'm shit. No, 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 not at all. He's great. And again, Robert Downey Jr. just fucking charm out the wazoo. Knows how to portray inner conflict. Does a great job at being a complete egotist who you still like. Yep. Which is such a hard thing to do. Yep. You know, Alan Rickman in uh fucking the Robin Hood movie when he was a sheriff in Nottingham. Uh-huh. He's a despicable person, but you kind of want to hang out with him. No. I like, have... I kind of want him to have sex with me, but I don't want to <laughs> hang out with him ever. He is a horrible, despicable, terrible, awful human being. But you love to see him on screen. Well, that's because he's Alan Rickman. Yeah, but the way he played the character, I mean, that's that's my point, is that Robert Downey Jr. is sort of doing the same thing where there's an easy way to make Tony Stark completely unappealing. Oh, yeah. Especially in the first couple of movies. And you just can't get to the point where you go, I don't like this guy. No. He's he's glib. He's full of himself. You know, to be totally honest, the government had a good point. You've got this entire weapon system at your own disposal. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're like, no, don't take Tony Stark's iron away from him. Fuck you, government. Yeah. Like, if we didn't know him, we'd totally agree with you. Yeah, but exactly. we know him. And he's, yeah, he's awesome. fucking Iron Man, dude. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Give yeah. it to Don Cheadle. There you go. Everybody's <laughs> happy. <laughs> so that's Iron Man 2. We both agree. A lot of fun. Not quite as good as the original. Yeah, weaker. And then you but get yes, to, so honestly, this is where we get to my probably least favorite movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Again, really? not that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not that they're bad. There is nothing bad about them. I just still don't care that much about Thor. Okay. I think all the casting choices are great. Uh, it's always nice to see Anthony Hopkins in a ridiculous movie. suit. <laughs> Just in a movie. Really. In a movie, kind yes. of where I'd go with that. Um, I was worried about the whole fish-out-of-water plotline when I first heard about it, uh, but it worked. Mm-hmm. It was funny. Um, you know, Natalie Portman's always a pleasure to look at. And she did surprisingly well. I think Natalie Portman is a good actress. Especially oh, no. after don't, seeing something like Black Swan. Don't get me wrong. I think Natalie Portman is one of the best actresses of her age, like of yeah. her age group. She's yeah. stunning as yeah. an actress. But it was a a role that could have oh, gone yeah, several ways. Yes. And well, I think she, she played up, it perfectly. She did sort of end up doing the thing that a lot of the Marvel movies have sort of avoided, uh, just being the damsel in distress. Yeah. Especially in Thor. You know, I guess Pepper Potts to an extent was that, but... 
no more that I mean, no one was more the damsel in distress in the Marvel movies than Natalie Portman in Thor. <laughs> yes, she's smart, but she's also constantly, especially towards the end with the big climactic battle. Oh, Thor, help me. So, you know, th- that was kind of a, a female role, that, especially with the debut of Black Widow. They hadn't really gone to completely yet. And but it was it was a fun movie. Um, Kenneth Pena directed it. We love Kenneth Pena. Um, and I was so happy to hear that he was directing it because I love it when respected people. And this is the other thing. They're getting respectable filmmakers to make these movies. So the company is taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. That allows the audience to know that they're taking it seriously and feel like they're in good hands. Because like we said before, not all these movies were completely accurate to the comics, but they all so far have gotten the spirit of the characters correct. Yes. And the letter may be off, but the spirit is correct. Exactly. And that's what we want. And that's why yeah. a movie like, you know, Halle Berry's Catwoman was awful. Because Yeah, I'm sorry that I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I live in a world where that movie happened in a different universe the where that reason, other Hulk movie happened. The only reason that I remember that movie at all, that that movie had anything to do with my universe, was Halle Berry's abs in that costume. Other than that, we all know it was a dreadful movie. And not just because the plot was bad. But it was because whoever made that movie did not get Catwoman at all. No, and didn't make care. her act like a cat. Yeah, make her go meow. That's what the fans want to see. No, the fans want to see uh, Michelle Pfeiffer at least. <laughs> okay, so here's here's where I I depart from your opinion. Yes, on, on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Iron Man and the Hulk are two of the Marvel superheroes that aren't X Men that I actually knew something about. Right. Before their movies came out. Right. Like I'm not the hugest comic book fan as or not the hugest comic book reader as we have previously established. Right. But I did actually know a surprising amount about Iron Man's history mm-hmm. and the Hulk's history. Uh, the Hulk, because it's a modern day Jacqueline Hyde story. I did a lot of theater. I like right. to read. So those comp- those comparisons were inherent so i read a lot about it long before comic book movies were a thing uh, i didn't know shit about thor except right. he was like i was like okay he's so he's what aquaman for the sky like i don't <laughs> what the fuck is happening here this sounds dumb because in in the four color comic book thor he just looks stupid he does <laughs> winged helmet he just looks yes, dumb he does and they were of course so cheesy that it's just yeah i'm not into it really but when Thor was announced and they started talking about casting and stuff, the first thing I really got into caring about at all was that a whole bunch of nerds were pissed off that Idris Elba got cast as Heimdall. Yeah. And I didn't know who Heimdall was. I obviously knew who Idris Elba was. Uh, yeah. Because he's amazing. Yes, he is. <laughs> so I went to look up. Possibly the, the next James Bond, who yes. I'm all for. Oh, my God. It would be so incredible. It really would be. <laughs> I would be. I the, oh, That would be amazing. Okay, we'll have to talk about James Bond in a different yes. Nerd Love series. Um, so I went to read up about why everybody was pissed off that Idris Elba was being cast as Heimdall, and it was absolutely the stupidest thing I'd ever heard that people were pissed off about it. Right. Like, well, because Heimdall's white. Well, okay. Yeah, exactly. Who gives a shit? Idris Elba's not. Right. Idris Elba is also awesome, so yes. shut the fuck up. Like, who gives a shit? It does not matter. It's a comedy. No, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. I think there are only rare times when race should be a factor in like, your casting. I can, I can totally see why you would need to have a pretty white American dude play Captain America. Yeah. Well, and also when if, Captain America started to become a thing, mm, I'm sorry, he was going to be a white dude. Like right. that's just true. 
that's it's true of the era too. Yes, that's so what you I'm have saying. to have him represent the era that he was in. Also, if a character, if a byline of a character is ever dealing with anything racially, then yeah. you need to stick to that. Like, but Iron other Fist, than that, Iron Fist should probably uh, be Asian. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, you know, it it really is an open field, and it should simply go to the best person for the yep. job. Absolutely. And again, in the first Thor movie. Heimdall's not even in it that much. No. And he's not in it that much in the second one. Yeah, either. no, he's not. Like he's just he's just there. He's the keeper of the gate. He stands yeah. watch. Yeah. You see him for what? Five minutes of screen time? Maybe. I think maybe total, yeah. Maybe. I mean, really? And he did such a good job with and that. And is role. he really a celebrated character in the comics? Because I no. did read comics. I was a huge collector of comics in the nineties. Never got into Thor. But if it's a really celebrated character, whether you're collecting those comics or not, you hear about them. Before I ever bought a Deadpool comic, I knew who Deadpool was. Right. Before I ever got into you know, a lot of different comics, I knew who the heroes were. Never heard anybody talk about Heimdall until everyone's like, be the black guy. You can't yeah. even be a black guy. I'm like, who are they talking just, about? It was just an excuse for racist nerds to be racist yeah, and exactly. feel like they were righteous in being exactly. that way. It was absolutely Did people ridiculous. complain – when Michael Clark Duncan got cast as Kingpin? Probably. In fact, yes. Because physically, apart from his skin, physically he looked like the Kingpin. You don't yeah, have definitely. many dudes as big as him with that many muscles. That's true. And that's what Kingpin has to be. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so uh, I didn't know anything about Thor because he never interested me as a character. Right. And never uh, me either. It's it's my second favorite yeah, see, I, I depart from that only because the movie did not make me interested in the character. I had plenty of Avengers comics. I never – I don't think I have any solo Thor comics because I just – there's a relatability that I just can't can't connect with. Now, that's not to say, again, I enjoyed the movie very much, mm -hmm. but it is probably the one that I think has the least repeat viewing potential for me personally. Um, um, they did a great – Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the, the the smartest thing they did actually was the fish out of water thing, even though that was the thing I was most worried about because I didn't want it to end up being just a silly comedy where it's like, ooh, look at me on the god, but ooh, I'm driving a car, you know. Yeah. Um, but that was a way of making him relatable, and I thought that was good. Now, Tom Hiddleston, <gasps> oh, such a good casting choice. Oh, he's what makes the movie. The movie. I mean, and I like you know, like you see Chris Hemsworth. And what a lot of people forget is that he was in the first Star Trek movie for all of five minutes and was his skinny, you know, normal, good looking self. And then, you know, as any actor is going to do, you, you want to be in consideration for Thor. You got to beef up a little bit. So when you see Chris Hemsworth in the Thor costume with the long hair and the beard, you go, yeah, I buy it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, he is a gorgeous man. <laughs> He he really is like he's not my type. No, really, like I don't go for the like beefcake dude. Right. But in terms of beefcake dudes, he is a fine specimen of that yeah, type. Yeah, really dude. is. Uh, Tom Hiddleston is much more my type of dude. Yeah, Tom Hiddleston, and, and you know, also really an example through this whole series leading up to this point of probably the best villain yet in the Marvel universe. Without question. Um, you know, you had like Jeff Bridges in the first Iron Man movie. Fine. That was dumb. Um, Whiplash, you know, fine. Uh, Abomination, I mean, I did honestly enjoy their fight, but sure. um, as far as just 
you know, a lot of times in superhero movies, heroes are judged by the villains they fight. And at this to this point, Loki was far and away the best. Yes. And had a motivation. Wasn't yes. just simply, I'm evil and bad just because. I think the only villains that can kind of get away with that is the Joker. It's like, I'm evil because, yeah. just because. Yeah. Know? He doesn't need a motivation. Uh, just about every other villain in order to be Does. understood needs need a motivation. Yep. And, you know, you could boil it down to just, but, but, but dad. <laughs> but still, he's a spoiled god. Of course he's going to be that way. Well, and I think that Kenneth Branagh did such a great job with kind of making that obvious. Like, yes. that's a clear point of the yes. movie that he feels slighted. But yes. also slightly more subtle even while it was that obvious, because it is more than him throwing a temper tantrum. Yes. Like, it is him throwing a temper tantrum, but it is also much deeper than that. Well, And I think that Tom Hiddleston did such a beautiful job of bringing that out. Because also and what he, makes Tom Hiddleston great is, in that role, is you also see the vulnerability of the character. Yes, and that is so important because you can look at it as a silly thing, but at the same time, what your family does to you affects you deeper than almost anybody else can do in your entire lifetime. And if you have the powers of a god at your disposal and someone hurts you that deeply, you're going to do some fucked up shit. Well, and I mean, some of it is even – it's even kind of a little bit more basic than that. It's the youngest child syndrome. Mm-hmm. There is – if you are a youngest child like I am – there is a lot I to, as well. There is an awful lot to see yes. from your own life in yes. that performance. Like even if you had a really perfectly good childhood, nobody tried to yeah. you know, usurp your rightful place with your There is always an element of this sibling is preferred because they were the first one. Yeah. Now, obviously most parents don't prefer one sibling over the other, but you can't argue that the oldest sibling gets treated differently because they are given more responsibility. They or, were the first or they simply did. that the youngest sibling feels that the older one yes. is. Like whether there's truth to it or not, there is a feeling from the youngest that there is constant competition. And with also the one who came your before. role in your family yes. is not genetic. It di- Your role in your family dictates how you act. Yeah. Younger siblings act a certain way for the most part. Older siblings act a certain way for the most part. And that's not a, a, a symptom of chemicals. That's a symptom of role. So when you are given the role of the younger sibling who thinks he's going to be king because Thor is just a big lunkhead. Yep. And, you know, it's not that far. I mean, people do awful things in the means of power in the real world all the time simply for power. And to have that power taken away from you by your dad simply because, I don't know. You know, there was never really a great reason, although he's probably right not to have given Loki the throne. Um, well, because he's Odin. He's the all-seeing father. He knows exactly right. why. Yeah, he knows who's pure of heart or whatever. So Thor is a good, entertaining, solid movie. It just isn't the one that sucks me in the most. Uh, it it competed very strongly with the original Iron Man for— Interesting. Until the Avengers. It, it was well, right up there. Well, we're getting there, man. Yep. So after Thor— was Captain America the first now, Avenger? Now, when I started collecting comics, the first few comics I collected were Captain America comics. Um, I have a graphic novel that is basically the entire story of Captain America's origin, all the comics leading up to when he got frozen in the ice in one graphic novel. Mm. At some point, 
as I was collecting these comics, before I moved on to things like the X-Men and the Silver Surfer, and then Image came out, at some point I went, he's kind of boring. Yeah. I'm going to put this one down. So then, you know, because of things like he was the best part of the first two Fantastic Four movies. We didn't get into those because they're almost not worth talking about. And you want to talk about some odd casting that really hurts your uh, movie. Yeah. Those are it. Um, yeah. But I always enjoyed Chris Evans in those movies. Yes. Because he's so good at playing young and cocky. Yeah, he did um, a great job. And then in, in them. have you seen Scott Pilgrim versus the world? Yeah, of course. Chris Evans. Chris Evans and Brandon Routh, to me, are the two funniest fucking things in that whole movie. <laughs> I think Chris Evans is hysterical. Oh yeah. In the 5 minutes that he's in that movie. Yep. Brandon Ralph as the superpowered vegan. Oh, I cried. I was laughing so hard. So that told me, "Oh, Chris Evans has got some dimensions." So when I heard they cast Chris Evans, I went, "That makes sense." And then I watched the movie, and first of all, the first chunk where he's the weakling Steve Rogers was handled so well. I was so surprised by that. The CGI might not have been perfect. Yeah. But it was pretty damn close as far as I was concerned. Now, granted, I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it later when it came on TV. Okay. But it gave me an affection for the character that I never realized I had. Okay. I hated Captain America. <laughs> the movie? No, no, no. Oh, no. okay. The character. <laughs> the character, yeah. Before 2011. He's just, you know, he's, he's, he's too much of the Boy Scout. He's not interesting. He was... Uh, like, I think I only dislike Superman more <laughs> as heroes go. Because seriously, I just don't I don't like the Boy Scout. I don't. See, I, no I prefer to Superman him. to Captain America in the comics. I just I can't handle it. It's just dumb. It's like, oh, your power is a shield. So I'm sure Hooray. you saw Captain America the movie simply out of a duty to keep connecting yeah. the Marvel movies and went, yes. oh, I'll just have to sit through this pile of shit. I mean, I was interested in the movie. I wanted to see how they did it. I wasn't expecting it to be terrible or whatever. Right. I just didn't care. I didn't care about because I will say this I thought... part: the the pedigree that Marvel Marvel movies has established, it would have been shocking if you walked out of a Marvel movie going, "I didn't like that." Yeah. So I didn't before 2011 when the movie came out. I just like did not give a shit about Cap. Yeah. He was the dumbest Marvel superhero that wasn't like a tier four. Superhero. Right. <laughs> I just didn't care at all. Uh, First I have... of all. Casting of Hugo Weaving, I will always take Hugo Weaving as a villain in yep. anything. All the time. Anything. Yep, forever. Every time. No question. He was great. Uh, I think that Red Skull is uh, also kind of a shitty villain. A little bit, yeah. But Hydra as a whole. Oh, yeah. Is um, They have done a really good job of interweaving that as. Oh, my God. Well, and at this point, too, problem. they had done such a good job of connecting all the movies in some of the smallest, subtle ways. Yep. Something someone says in one movie has yep. something to do with another movie. Yep. And you don't if you're not paying attention, you miss it. But at yep. this point, they have mapped this thing out to the to the letter. Well, there is something that they're doing that is actually that touches on that exactly, because you can't miss it right we live in a world where you can't not know we are on twitter we're on right. facebook G fucking you can't two days after a movie comes out everybody knows what the post-credit scene was yes like you can't everyone well, whether you've seen the it or not credit scene in the first thor movie in the first thor movie i'm trying to remember the order they went in 
Yeah, we'll come back to it if one of us remembers. Okay. But so yeah, so I was hoping Captain America would be good. Um, I heard a lot of positive things about it before I saw it, and I sat down to watch it, and I I gotta tell you, it's one of my favorites in the series. I think the reason that it doesn't kind of go up that high for me, I think that it is a great movie, and oh, this is why I was saying I hated Captain America, uh, because Chris Evans and the way that they wrote him, mm-hmm. he, he's probably my favorite now. Oh, without a doubt, because I think also Captain America can and has been a very flat character, but in just the first 20 minutes, A, I think Chris Evans is just a good dude. Yeah. And that shows. If he turned out just to be a huge douche, my heart would break a little bit. But he just seems like a really good guy. My heart might break a little, but my respect for him as an actor would go up. That's true. That's that's a good point. Um, the British chick was really hot, too. Let's not forget about her. But, um, <laughs> you know, then you get, like, the, the, the first 20 minutes, you just really feel like, yeah, this, this, this is why this guy is the way he is. He is a perfect symbol of his era. He's, He's a perfect symbol of the World War II gung-ho. We're all in this together. We're going to fight truly, for truth and justice. He's truly who he is. And not in a pandering, nope. obnoxious sort of way. Nope. He, he, just, he lives it. He absolutely lives it. And then when he finally gets that boost, again, total beefcake. I mean, yeah. when they open those doors after he gets the, the boost of the super soldier serum, I was like, whoa, somebody's been working out. <laughs> and then he goes about being Captain America. Also, one of the problems you always run into in superhero movies, and this is something that I'm so glad the Marvel movies have found a way around, is explaining their fucking clothes. Because so many times costumes in the comics work only in the comics. No one has filmed a movie yet with Wolverine in the yellow and blue tights. Although um, in the at the end of the Phoenix saga, yeah. when she's tearing yeah. everything apart and he walks up to her and she's like ripping everything. His skin's playing yeah. off. Uh, yeah. His pants were fine. <laughs> That's true. He has super pants. That's and you would have thought with Hugh Jackman, that would have been the first thing she went for. Right? Anyway. Uh, they did such a good job of explaining why he's dressed like that. I loved the fact that they – this is such a good like condemnation of the government too. They have the guy that could maybe win the war single-handed for you. And what do you do? You Perform stick him in a USO. goofy costume and put yep. him in the USO. And I was like, that's genius. So now when he – gets into the war and becomes himself the full super soldier that he was meant to be. I also loved his embarrassment about being in the USO. He's like, this is not what I should be doing. But he wasn't going to go against his government because he's that guy. Well, I think that at least it was, it played to me like it wasn't embarrassment. It was just disappointment. Yes. yes. Like I have all this potential and I'm not allowed to use it Mm -hmm. still still have all this potential that I'm not allowed to use despite all of this crap that I've gone through despite exactly who I am as a person so that's okay what I think Captain America the first Avenger struggled with okay was that they had to make a superhero movie they had to make a superhero origin story right and they had to make a war movie yes all in the same movie see to me it felt pretty seamless when I was watching did a really I think they did the best job they mm-hmm. could have done. Mm-hmm. I, I don't 
think that there is a place there where they could have done anything different to make it better. But the pace of the movie suffers for being two and a half types of movie in one movie. A little bit, but I never got bored with it. No, no, no. Me neither. Although some people certainly did. Uh, I was pretty much on board. But a lot of right that, away. again, has to do with just simply Chris Evans' fucking yes. charisma. Yep. He was he was the, he was the perfect. He's Chris Evans. Captain America is my favorite Marvel superhero now. Wow. And, Over Robert Downey. Yes. Because yes. of the challenge. Uh, I they don't know. They even worked Bucky into that movie without making it seem silly. Yep, which Bucky. is good because he's a big deal. <laughs> well, he turns out to be for sure. I mean, like he can, he is going to continue to be a big deal. Yes. Um, so. And then the Red Skull. He's great. Yep. He was great. I mean, again, weak villain. But what are you going to do about that? It's a weak villain. He's canon. So they did it perfectly. Well, and not only can, but yeah, his main nemesis. And at this point, except for Loki. None of the heroes had gone up against their main nemesis. Right. So you had the main villain of Captain America in the Captain America movie. And they also did the kind of cool thing with, so far anyway, really killing him. Yeah. Oh, he's he's totally dead. So Hugo Weaving was great, but he's always oh, yeah. Um, Chris Evans, great. The movie, entertaining. Sets everything up beautifully. Really is a prequel to all the other movies. Mm-hmm. And I just love the fact that it's the last one before dun, 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 the fucking Avengers. Now Which is I remember like the at, best movie ever made. I remember at this point going, all these movies have been really good. I'm a little worried. They Everybody can't was. keep this streak going. Oh my god, did they keep that streak going? <laughs> yeah, everybody was worried. And I watched a thing earlier from a YouTube movie reviewer dude who's yeah. pretty prolific. Um, he's the one that did the Pixels negative okay. review. Oh, yeah. Ooh. It's a 45-minute review of The Avengers. And I'm sure it's is, pretty much a love letter. <laughs> the, I mean, the the type of review he was doing is the review really that good. And it, he's done that for, like, Die Hard. Die Hard is really that good. Right. Because like, there are a whole bunch of movies that everybody's like, this movie, this is an incredible right. movie. Everybody has to see this movie. And so it just becomes a part of mm-hmm. pop culture. But is it really that good? Right. And well, his take, his video was an explanation as why The Avengers is really that good. And time is really the, the, the barometer for that. Because I can watch Die Hard any minute of any day of any week of any year and still love it as much as I always have. I can watch Raiders of the Lost Ark any minute of any day of any time of any year and still love it as much as I always have. Um, And the Avengers deserves to be in that list because somehow Joss Whedon, again, when we heard he was going to be doing it, that was a sigh of relief because this is a comic book guy who also just happens to be a filmmaker. And everybody at a certain point loved Buffy. I never got on the Buffy train necessarily, but I I knew that it was respected in the geek world amongst people who can be very picky. So I had faith with that. I thought it was going to be good. I don't know that I was prepared. Again, I didn't see it in the first run in theaters. I saw it when it came back to theaters. And even in in a theater full of maybe four or five other people, I got chills at certain times. Um, the uh, the iconic group shot of the them group on shot's the streets. Great. It still gives me goosebumps. Out but of even context. when even when they're still building up to that. Yeah. You know when Captain America and Iron Man fight Loki for the first time, and it's the two of them. You go, 
Captain America and Iron Man are fighting together. And no other movie that introduced two superheroes, two villains, whatever. No other superhero movie has ever made me feel that way. I honestly felt like a kid again, reading a comic and going, ooh, Iron Man's in this one. And bringing back Loki as the main villain, you know, who didn't love him in Thor? Um, He was actually the post-credit in... um, That's right. In Thor. It was Selvig and... Uh, Okay. uh, Fucking Nick Fury. Oh, and that's the other thing, too. The post-credit sequence of Captain America. You can't do something more effectively to get a group of people excited about something than the post-credit sequence of Captain America because it just says, okay, it's all in place. Yep. Here it comes. Here it comes. And boy, did it come all over all of us. And we came right back. It was such a good movie. And they beautifully, and because they had taken their time to settle this up, you didn't have to deal with what I think the Justice League movie is going to suffer from by having to introduce certain characters into the exactly. Justice League movie. You knew who basically everybody was. Yes. When was Thor no lands on top of that fucking jet, yep. you went, oh! you didn't need to know why he was there. You didn't no, need to know what? where he came from. And they assumed even... that since you were watching the Avengers, you had seen all of the other movies. And it even was right before that because the storm starts and Loki gets nervous and they're like, yeah. Uh, so you now you're nervous. He's it's like you don't you don't like thunder. Not overly fond of what follows. It's simple, but everybody <laughs> fucking knows. It's like, oh shit. And now you saw that movie in a crowded theater. And was uh, that opening one of the weekend. moments? Yeah. And was that one of the moments where people went, <laughs> Yeah, Thor's coming. Um, I think there was a lot of like a uh, smile behind the hand sort of yes, reaction, yes. like, like here, he comes, here, he comes, here he comes. And yeah. then he lands on the fucking jet. Yep. And then he and Iron Man and Captain America. Duke it out. Well, what's great is that he gets on the jet, grabs Loki. Everybody's seen it. I'm not going to go over the whole thing. Yeah. He grabs Loki. They jump out. Iron Man's like, ah, fuck that. I'm going to go get him. He yeah. jumps out. Okay, well, Loki and Thor are gods. They can fly. Or at least land safely. Yeah. <laughs> Iron Man is Iron Man. He can clearly fly. Yeah. And Cap's in the back like, well, that's not going to work. And just jumps out of the back of the plane. Uh, uh, like, such a Captain America thing to yeah, do. Yeah. He's like, uh. No, that's not okay, and I'm going to go fix that. So here I go. Also setting up the conflict between Iron Man and Captain America in one second. Oh, my God. (laughs) It was so good. Like, I think that one of the things that made the movie work is that, A, yes, they had set up all the origin stories beforehand, so we knew them. But because we knew them, what follows in the Avengers is, though it is an action movie and a superhero comic book movie, it's actually a character story. Yes. Like, it is not about the plot. It is about the characters. Also one of That's those great, all we care about. Also one of those great anti-Super Friends things where it's like, yeah, they're on a team. That doesn't mean they have to like each other. Yeah. And they are all in is... it for the good, and sometimes you get paired with people that you don't necessarily would want to hang out with. And also, it makes perfect have... sense because at this point, Tony Stark was his own man. He didn't have to answer to anyone, and Captain America is a born leader. And yeah. Captain America's like, Hey, wait a second. And again, perfectly illustrates the type of character he is. He's like, wait, no, but I'm the leader. Soldier, you're supposed to be listening to me. And he's just like, fuck you. I loved – I. this is how I knew that, Cap, that Chris Evans, Captain America – I wish there was a shorter way to say that. that <laughs> Chris Evans, Captain America was my, was my now favorite of yeah. all the comic book superheroes that are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe was because in the scene where they're all fighting on the ship. Yes. And uh, Tony Stark says, the only good thing about you came out of a bottle. 
Yeah. I was like, punch him. Punch him in his handsome face. Yes. Punch him right now in his handsome ass face. Just punch him. Fuck yes. you, Tony Stark. And like, I was pissed. I was yeah. pissed because that is not true. Right. Like, right. The bottle is irrelevant <laughs> to what makes Captain America, Captain America. Yes. And the fact that you don't see that or at least are feigning ignorance on that yes. means you're the dickhole. Yes, exactly. But then that little battle, too, has so many beautiful moments in it. The best moment of the whole thing to me is when Thor thinks he's about to kick Iron Man's ass, shoots him full of lightning, and it 400%. energizes his yeah. suits. And what did he say? Huh. How that's about funny. That? Or how about that? And then proceeds to shoot the shit out of Thor. I'm getting chills talking about it. I know. It's amazing. I um, actually wanted to watch it again in preparation for this podcast earlier today. And fucking Netflix took it off streaming. Right. I was so mad. And not even to mention the fact that at this point, the new Bruce Banner has already been brought into this world. Everybody had such a great introduction into this world. Black Widow with being tied up to the chair and being called by Clark Gregg. We love Clark Gregg. Oh, my God. He's so good. And he just calls her and is like, hey, you got some work to do. She's like, wait, these guys are giving me everything. Yeah. And just the humor, which was yep. never out of the world that they had created. But that little moment where the one Russian mobster turns to the other and goes, I didn't, I didn't tell her anything. Didn't tell her anything. And she's all, she's like, the look at her face is, please. <laughs> and then she proceeds right to kick their ass after being tied to a chair. And then she runs off to get Bruce Banner, and this is one of the best things about this whole movie. We've already seen two Hulk movies, but somehow they managed to make the Hulk suspenseful. Nobody – this is when you really start to realize that everyone's afraid of the Hulk. Yep. Because the second he even mentions when he's talking to Black Widow – She freaks the fuck out. Yes. Yep. And every time through the course of the movie that everyone thinks he's even getting a little agitated, the gods of the world, the people that are beyond – Fear go, oh, shit. And meanwhile, Tony Stark pokes him with an electric prop. Yeah, exactly. But even when he sees at one point that he's actually starting to get pissed, even Tony Stark is like, that may not have been a good idea. (laughs) Until he finally, when they're all together, turns into the Hulk for the first time. It's a thing of beauty. Which also leads to the classic, you know, the group gets separated. They're not getting along. Things are not going well. Agent Coulson died. And Loki is proving himself to be a worthy adversary, even whilst captured. And then you get to the Battle of New York. Yeah. Which is just, from beginning to end, a thing of beauty. And fight sequences can be so hard. Because if they go too short, the audience feels cheated. If they go too long, the audience feels exhausted. But this is what we've all been waiting for. Them to be working together as a team, like in the comics. At this point... One of the best moments, two of the best moments in the entire film, Mark Ruffalo pulling up on that little fucking scooter in the middle of all this chaos, and that huge fucking worm hits the street. He starts walking towards it. Tony Stark, was it Stark or was it Captain America? Cap. Yeah. Don't you have to get mad or something? (laughs) And he says, that's the trick. I'm always angry. Boom! Fucking punches the worm in the nose, turns into the Hulk. It's amazing. It was just a party to celebrate how awesome it had been up to this point. Like, yes, the the whole battle for New York was just to celebrate itself. Yes. Also, to provide some resolution for the characters, you see Tony Stark falling in line a little bit because he does respect Captain America after all. Um, and you kind of have to because he's one of the least powerful people on the team, really. I mean, you've got Hawkeye and you've got uh, Black Widow who are just extremely 
skillful at what they do. But then you put Captain America up against Iron Man, the Hulk, Thor, but he's the guy that's going to take charge and say, I know the right way to do this. And they all fall in line. Yep. And, you know, do I need to say anything else that everyone's already said about Hulk kicking Loki's ass? Oh, no. It's a beautiful moment. Tony Stark's scene with Loki before the Battle of New York. It's beautiful. It's perfect. So there's so much about the Avengers that is perfect that we could just be like, this scene, it's perfect. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. This scene. Let's just say that at this point, the wait was worth it. And that is so rare in movies. Yeah. Okay. This much anticipation. Phase two. Yes. Which we have just concluded. Yes. It's phase two. Oh, well, this, this I have to say, though, the teaser scene at the end of the Avengers this is when I pretty much shat my pants. I thought, this can't get any better. Now, again, when I was collecting comics, and I have the comic where Thanos comes back from the dead in Silver Surfer, because really, the Infinity Gauntlet was all about the Silver Surfer. It started in the Silver Surfer, and the Silver Surfer was one of my favorite comics. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know. I had no idea that this was in the works. So okay. that one little shot at the end of the Avengers, I'm like, is that is that mm-hmm. Thanos? And then all of a sudden they went, oh my God, they're going to do the Infinity Gauntlet. And so I remember reading Silver Surfer and seeing all these pieces come into place. And the Silver Surfer knowing he was going to have to go up against something that was more powerful and destructive than anything he'd ever gone up to against before. Thanos getting the gauntlet. Thanos snapping his fingers, and he's so powerful he wishes half of the universe out of existence with a snap of his fingers. And then the Infinity Gauntlet individual series. Unfortunately, I didn't have them all, and I don't know why. I had issue number four, and I still have it, where all the superheroes of the Marvel Universe go up against Thanos and all get their asses handed to them. It is one of the best stories, I think, in comics, and it went through so many other comics, but mainly Silver Surfer and the actual Infinity Gauntlet series. So to see Thanos, again, not exactly a first-tier villain. Right. Who would you who would you go up to that doesn't read comics and go, hey, you like that Thanos, right? He's pretty cool. Who the yeah, fuck are you talking about? I uh, had to have the guys explain to me who that dude was and why right. half the theater went, oh, when he showed yeah. up on screen. <laughs> it was, I mean, you, that is something you could never have expected or anticipated, but that tells you where it's all going to end up. So then we start phase two where we all yeah. know it's getting to the infinity gauntlet. So which, phase two is, is Iron Man three was the first one. Iron Man three. Okay. Thor, the dark world. Okay. Captain America, the winter soldier. Okay. Guardians of the galaxy. Avengers okay. Age of Ultron. Ant-Man. Excellent. Now, this is where we can get into the normal format of the show because a couple of these movies I haven't seen and you have. I've seen them all. But we'll just start with Iron Man 3. Uh, Mm. I don't really understand why so many people bitched about it. I very much enjoyed it. I also thought it was interesting that you see the after effects of what Tony Stark had been through. Um, He didn't get in the suit a ton. But when you've got Robert Downey Jr.'s charisma, you don't need to. I was never that attached to the Mandarin. So I really enjoyed Ben Kingsley's, you know, spoilers, a uh, little turn mm-hmm. when you realize that he's not the Mandarin because it was pretty fucking funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, Guy Pierce, not the best main villain in the world, but no. it was a fun, enjoyable movie. I think uh, better than Iron Man 2. Um, 
and just yeah, I really enjoyed it. It as a character study, it was better than Iron Man two. Yeah, I think the movie itself had more. I don't know, objectively or cinematically, something has more problems. It's not unenjoyable. Again, right. There's no, again, we keep saying it. There hasn't been a bad Marvel movie yet. They're all perfectly enjoyable. Uh, it was weaker than I wanted it to be. Like, I'm perfectly okay with the second act of three acts being mm-hmm. the weaker act mm-hmm. because that's kind of supposed to happen. Mm hmm. It's supposed to be super powerful, opening act, amazing. Second right. act, it's just, it has to set stuff up. It's going to be slower. It's kind of meh. Third act is supposed to be stronger than the second, and right around the first. Right. Like, that's generally how it goes. Right. I felt like this just kind of went down. Like, Iron Man was perfect. <laughs> Iron Man 2 yeah. was not perfect. Iron Man 3 was troubling. There were some parts of it that were better in terms of its characterization and some of the acting was better done yeah Mm, but some of the pace was really uh, and i don't know i don't know it was the weakest of the three in my opinion i don't i i liked it much more than i thought i was going to um i would say to me two still probably the weakest of the three in my opinion um then we move on to thor the dark world which i would to me, was on par with the first Thor movie. Um, not bad at all. And they stretch the imagination. I enjoyed it. I just can't be that interested in Thor as a character. I just can't. I loved seeing him in the Avengers. I love seeing him use his powers. I love the humor that they've been able to add to the character. Uh, but overall, Thor 2, good. About I felt the same way that I did about Thor 1 with Thor 2. Uh... Two was also weaker than the first one. I I, I don't do know. like I the chemistry like the... that Hiddleston and and Hemingsworth have. Oh, they're amazing. They're <laughs> they're truly seriously. Tom Hiddleston makes that section of the yeah. universe work. Yeah. He's not that Chris Hemsworth is not doing an amazing job as Thor. He totally is. He absolutely is. Oh, Thor. he's great. He's, he's great. Fantastic. But Thor is kind of a boring character. <laughs> he just is. Yeah. I mean, he is. Less so than Captain America, he is a static, a relatively static character. Yes. He does learn and grow yes. more during the first one because he's kind of a brat at the beginning. Sure. And, you know, becomes more responsible. He, not human. Yes. Demi-god or whatever yeah. Yeah. At, by the end. But generally, at his core, he's basically pretty static. Right. Which is fine. And he plays that well. Right. But he has to have something to play off of. Yes. And Tom Hiddleston is that. And he's amazing. Yes. And that's the thing. For the most part, everybody that participates in these movies say they really like each other. And for the most yeah. part, I believe it. Yeah. And I think Hiddleston and, and Hemingsworth get along great. And that shows. Um, so, yeah, Thor 2, good. Still, to me, Thor's probably my least favorite of the Marvel movies. But that doesn't mean it's bad. Now we can actually get into something that I you don't have to worry about any plot spoilers with me because I know all the plot spoilers. Okay. But uh, Captain America two, and I will yeah. just say before we get into it, the best review I have heard of that movie came from my friend Todd, who's a huge comic book geek. Mm-hmm. Went to see it. I asked him how it was, and he turned to me with wide eyes and went, "They made Captain America badass." Yeah. So your feelings on Winter Soldier? 
He's a badass. Okay. Uh, Cap- Chris Evans' Captain America is still my favorite yeah. superhero in I've the Marvel Cinematic most Universe. People are willing to say that Captain America 2 better than Captain America 1. Um, uh, yes, probably. The It does not suffer from the half war movie, half superhero right. movie problem that the first one did because right. it's all superhero movie. Right. Uh, which is good because that took out most of what any problems from the first one yes. would have been. It also gets to be more of a character study yes. in how a static character like Cap can be dynamic yes. by environment. Yes. Because he isn't dynamic. He is exactly the same. Yes, he and that's never, what's so ever beautiful changes. about the character is he is purposefully. Like You get the feeling he could change if he wanted to and be a more in-sync person with our era he's purposefully refusing to no, i mean he's not refusing to he's just he, i think he it is. is i think against he, his think character he, yeah to... but i i think he feels like he still has to represent his era in a world where his era has been forgotten that's my take on the character i mean yes but i think that that's not as deliberate to him as a as a person mm-hmm. like he just it's not that he has to represent it's just that that's who he who he is he just is truly that dude right he just is that guy and now this is something that you know is not a spoiler for me because i know this happens and also i do watch agents of shield um (laughs) this is probably the individual marvel movie that had the biggest impact on the universe that they had created as a whole because then you find out that hydra has been in control the whole fucking time this is the turning point of the story of of the whole story yes everything falls apart this is the end of the second act this is empire strikes back yes that's exactly what it is and so this movie is tying together all of the kind of disparate things that even the avengers didn't address like right why is all this shit happening yes now we know why we know why all this shit is happening because hydra's here yes Uh, yes and they've been here the whole time yes the call is coming from inside the house. Yes. Everything has gone to hell. Yes. And I think that the parallel between the call is coming from inside the house because Hydra has been here the whole time. Yes. And Bucky. Yep. Is the villain. Yes. Like they took him. Yes. From Steve Rogers. They yes. took Bucky. So best friends are now enemies. Yep. I mean, that's it's amazing to me how they have managed to take these very simple. Mm hmm. Time honored, like through Greek tragedies and stuff, yeah, these story elements that have been in literature and performance art forever. Absolutely. That comic books use all the time. Yes. But they're always simple. They have to be, and that's fine. They take those very simple, incredibly like high level, not at all deep premises, and they make them deep. But isn't it? They just drag them down. Isn't it so true? And this is true of a lot of things. And the world of entertainment and storytelling that most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, the simpler the story is, the better. And it's such a simple, it's a, such a simple thing that people can grasp. Friends are now enemies. And it, it, it hits everyone in a certain way. Because... Well, it's not necessarily that the simple stories are the best. It's just that if you are uh, talented or skilled at drawing parallel mm-hmm. and 
developing character from within simple life experience because it is it's why observational comedy is funny it's yes you know it's why those things work because so many people can at least on some level relate to all of what you're telling them absolutely but it's also i think uh, a thing of clarity you know it's like yeah. when you do comedy on stage just about anyone that excels at comedy will tell you the same thing the simpler and the cleaner it is the better it's going to be because anything else starts to muddy it up and yeah. you get distracted from the story most and really I mean, good stories are very simple to understand because it's not the story itself it's the characters that you care about going through what they're going through it's the the it's all the interpersonal relationships. It's yes. and you know again, you know part of the reason that Iron Man two maybe wasn't as good as Iron Man one is it was muddy and Captain America took a very simple, easy to understand concept that hits people in an emotional level, betrayal, friendship, all that stuff, and just told a really effective story that still had ramifications throughout everything else they'd been setting up to this point. Which then leads us to, if you thought Thanos was uh, a character that not that many people know, Guardians of the fucking Galaxy. Yeah, didn't know shit. Didn't even know it was part of the Marvel Universe. I had no idea. I did not know. Now, I had had seen Rocket Raccoon, I think, at the in the letter section of some comic book a long time ago. So he was vaguely familiar to me. And once I saw Star-Lord in his helmet, I was like, oh, I think I've seen him before. Other than that, that's what I knew about Guardians of the Galaxy. Didn't even but know that. Now it's sort of taking the Marvel Universe and positioning it in space, taking it out of the Earth realm. And, you know, obviously Thor had kind of done that. But this is like science fiction. This is a full-on sci-fi spaceships battles aliens movie that is also going to help guide the universe towards the final climactic Thanos in space battle that it's moving towards. And it was such a fun movie. Oh, my God. I I had no idea what to expect. I thought it was a riot. I had so much fun with that movie. But again, strikes such a fragile balancing act between taking its character seriously, taking the situation seriously, and being a fun ride. My biggest worry about where the DC universe is going is I think they're starting to forget that. Mm -hmm. Because as we discussed about in the last Bearded Ones podcast, everything can't be dark and gritty. You're going right. to lose something if it is. You can still take your character seriously but sort of revel in the aspects of their character that make them enjoyable. Yeah. Instead of everyone going, ugh, things are bad, right? I mean, I don't think anybody anybody could honestly claim that the characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe are not being taken seriously. They, they absolutely like, are, every single one of them. But I think if you said that, you should be laughed at, like but out as of with whatever any you're in. Three-dimensional person, there's humor there too. And the thing is, that's if you are to take it too seriously, you then actually do the reverse because they are still comic books. Yes. They're four color, you know, high, not fantasy, obviously, but, you know, pseudo sci-fi. Right. Magic and science. And they're joyful. They are there. And if you lose that too much. Again, obviously, there are exceptions to the rule. Yes, Watchmen absolutely. is not what I would consider a joyful graphic novel. No, but it's a masterpiece. no. Um, uh, and there's certain, you know, Spawn is not joyful, but it's sure. a great character. But you have to have that. Why did Avengers make us feel like kids again? Because it was, it was joyful. Because it was fun. And had some emotional elements. I mean, like yes. I said, when, when Agent Coulson dies, it was heartbreaking. I cried. But it was still a joyful experience. It was an adventure. 
And Guardians of the Galaxy is such an adventure film where they leave room for character development. The beginning is really heartbreaking. You know, how, who cannot identify with a kid losing his mother for, to cancer? Sure. It's heartbreaking. But then that starts this, you know, it's a cliche, but I'm going to say it, this roller coaster of just interesting characters, dynamics, action, fun, quips that don't seem forced. Well, and I mean, I think that one of the things that Guardians of the Galaxy is the movie, and again, not a comic book reader, didn't even know it was a thing yeah. other than that Guardians of the Galaxy was a comic book. That's right. all I knew. I think anyway, and from what I have read and talked to other people who know anything about it have said, that you have a talking raccoon and yes. a moving tree. Yes. I mean, really? This isn't that serious. Like, you no. can't. You just can't take it that seriously. It has to be tongue-in-cheek at least a little bit, but kind of all the time. Out, but then when you find out why Rocky is a talking raccoon, yeah, absolutely. it's sad. Yeah. It's tragic. And then when Groot dies, yep. kind of. I bawled. It's really I totally sad. Cried. And it's like E.T. is a fun movie because he's a cute little alien, but you also have to deal yep. with loss. Yes. Every child was traumatized when they thought E.T. died. And it's the same way with this movie. That's why these movies are so good is they understand, much like Spielberg does, how to capture something from your past and make you relive a little bit of your childhood, at least to me. That's what I felt like watching Guardians of the Galaxy. And I didn't even have a connection with these characters. I just felt like this is almost a throwback sci-fi movie in a way, but that's also pushing the genre forward. It was just great. And yeah. also is starting to set up the Infinity Gauntlet even more with the Infinity Gems. Yeah. And at this point, the anticipation for what we knew was going to be Avengers 2 was unbelievably massive. To the point where I was like, they've really been batting a thousand pretty much. Avengers 2 cannot possibly live up to the hype. It didn't. And then I saw the trailer and I thought, okay. Ultron looks awesome. Yeah. But now I was worried because now they're adding all these characters. And a lot of the clips I saw were kind of like, that kind of looks like the first Avengers. Oh, no, don't let this be the one that they drop the ball on. I can safely say my opinion is of it was better than I expected it to be. It was better than I expected it to be, but it did not live up to its own potential. I think. Maybe not. But, you know, I think the filmmakers probably even understood that, too. There was no yes. way this could be a second Avengers as far as the living up to the hype is concerned because we didn't know what to expect with the first Avengers. Now we do. But it still had everything that makes an Avengers movie an Avengers movie. It had the characters you love. Somehow it managed to give them, for the most part, a, a fair amount of time. You never mm -hmm. felt like anybody was really slighted. Yeah. Certain characters were beefed up. Who knew Hawkeye had a family? <laughs> Um, I really, I, so there's been a bunch of talk about what scenes got left in and what scenes yeah. had to be cut out and why Joss Whedon isn't doing this anymore. Yeah. I really kind of like the farm scene. Mm -hmm. I do too. To be perfectly honest, I thought they were really great and I think that the studio was stupid for not wanting it in there. Well, because you need a breather. Yes, absolutely needed one there's and nothing we needed the characters to have time. There's nothing more annoying than an action movie that is wall-to-wall -wall action. You, again, Die Hard is a great example. It's a huge action movie, but it's yeah. not action all the time. You need those moments where Bruce Willis is in the bathroom talking to, to Family Matters guy on the CV while he's pulling glass out of his foot. You need to take a breath, and that was the perfect way of taking a breath. Things are bad. You know, Hydra's in control. S.H.I.E.L.D. is done. We don't even know where Nick Fury is. 
We well, just got we our needed, asses handed to us. And we needed some character time. And we needed some character time. Because up to that point, we had had no character time. None. And the, the original Avengers was so much character story. Yeah. That now we're just kind of thrown in and we have no character. We're and like, the, okay. You, you want to talk about thrown in, too. The first five minutes of that movie yeah. of Avengers 2, there's no patience. at All of a sudden, you're in the middle of a huge battle with all the Avengers fighting side by side. And you're going, ah! <laughs> you know? I have to tell you, though, that you know how we always bitch that your movie isn't that great if the best parts of the movie are in your trailer? Oh, yeah. I don't think this is what was intended. And I think that I I don't know how many people would agree with me. Maybe more than I would assume. But I think the best part of Age of Ultron was uh, Cap almost lifting the hammer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that whole hammer sequence is pretty beautiful. It was great. I mean, it was truly good, although most of that was also in the trailer. But really, it I'm thinking about it now, and I have goosebumps, and my heart's beating a little yeah. fast. It was so Oh, yeah. And, and again, awesome. credit to Chris Hemsworth. His little oh, the tiny take and his reaction, like, oh, shit. Just... Just his eyebrow comes down and his smile fades just enough. Just enough. Just and like what a, it um, also says, again, about Captain America. Yep. He's just such a good dude. Yep. The, Chris Evans' Captain America is my favorite. Well, I mean, not to mention the, the beginning uh, when Iron Man curses. Oh, yeah. Language. <laughs> language. Did you just say language? <laughs> it's just got so many great moments. You can't not be disappointed. Casting James Spader as Ultron. Fucking brilliant idea. Okay, again, I think James wonderful Spader... casting may uh be my top sexiest voice oh he's got a great voice and again they found a way to make that character intimidating but funny some of the things he says in that movie are hysterical but he's still a formidable villain and then you get scarlet witch you get quicksilver you get the vision introduced hold on okay you know what? So Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were actually in the X-Men Origins? or uh, Quicksilver was in uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past. Uh, no, Scarlet Witch was there too. She was sitting next to him. At one point, yeah. But I that... mean, they don't call them that because no, they couldn't because they, they didn't have the right to the names. But that's totally who they were. Well, no, I think they called him Quicksilver in that movie. Um, uh, pretty sure they didn't. Really? Hmm. I have to go back and watch that one again. All, yeah. Also, also, just let me sidebar here. Very good movie, by the way. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Uh, and the effects for his scene mm. in the kitchen were mm. incredible. One of the best parts of the whole movie. It was yeah, great. totally. Okay, so they have Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, and then they just fucking kill Quicksilver. Yeah. They just kill him. They're like, yeah. hey, here are these two characters, and they're it's a little weird that they're enemies but not enemies, and now they're friends. Right. And, okay, it's a redemption story all wrapped up into an origin story. But they story. were we almost it. connected to Whiplash in a way. Weren't they? Because they were Russian and they were there when Stark's weapons, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I don't think they were. Are they Russian? They're former Soviet of some sort. <gasps> yeah. I, I honestly don't remember. Yeah. It was kind of rushed. A little. Um, but I kind of felt like too. when Quicksilver died, I kind of felt okay about it, mainly because, A, the X-Men universe has made it clear that they are not in any way connected with this current Marvel universe. Yes. Because of the studio, unfortunately. Yes. Because Hugh Jackman is all for... Yes. Having Wolverine go up against the Hulk, which I would love to see. Anyway, um, so that I was okay with. And I was also okay with Quicksilver dying because somebody had to. I mean, at this point, you've got all these heroes fighting. The stakes have to be high, but you're not going to kill any of the main Avengers. It'd be a ballsy thing if you did, but it's also too many characters to keep going. Here's the thing, though. I think if you're going to introduce characters so that at least one of them can die, kill Scarlet Witch. Because her power suite is out of control yeah 
like how are you going there is so it's so hard to find her middle ground that's true which they've done with everybody else like because her powers go from uh, this is all stuff i learned after the fact yeah so i'm not an expert don't fucking nerd rage on me but (laughs) her powers go from kind of a little bit cassandra-ish yeah and basically weak yeah not really all that important to fucking universe destroying powers yeah well uh, that could have been her rage because her brother died i don't know (laughs) no i mean like in the comic books oh yeah yeah yeah. the powers are so varied yes depending on which story you're reading but quicksilver is quicksilver that's like that's his shit that's what he does very straightforward yes if you're gonna kill one of them kill her because she is much (laughs) more problematic in the long run well But, but i would love to see what they do with her i like scarlet witch i was never a huge fan of quicksilver they were members of the avengers they were mutants so they did cross over between the x-men universe yeah. and the, the the avengers universe in the comics i mean they're technically the same universe but you know what i mean i just quicksilver is just another guy that can run fast he never interested me as much as she did in the comics well i mean that's because quicksilver quicksilver what he does is what he does yeah but I get what you're saying. All the other characters and their powers are very straightforward. You know the, exactly what you're getting. The new Avengers, after all the original Avengers leave Cap and Black Widow in charge, are Falcon, who yep. has mechanical wings, and yep. is a badass dude. Yeah. Vision. Yep. Who, who is Vision. Kind of a god. <laughs> Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. And wasn't uh, Brody? Was he one of them? Don Cheadle? Yeah. Yes. Maybe. May- maybe. I mean, I think the hardest one for me to accept is kind of the Falcon, just because, I mean, you could make the case that, you know, like I said before, Black Widow and, and, and Hawkeye are just normal people who are incredibly dedicated and mega skilled, and the Falcon can certainly be that. Yeah. But he's a very because, hard character but like, to the second, going. The new Avengers, the second tier Avengers, the uh, farm team Avengers or whatever, yeah. they're all kind of not as good. No, they're not. That's true. So Quicksilver would fit right in. <laughs> Scarlet Witch can destroy universes, like yeah. with her mind hole. She with can totally hole. kill everything. I never thought she does not fit before. there. She Maybe not, but that. we'll see how she fits in the the cinematic universe. I trust what they're doing, especially since what they're going to be going up against in the third tier. They're going to need somebody. Yeah, that, that, fuck I mean it. that's absolutely true. <laughs> okay, so it was I didn't I didn't like it at all as well as the first one. It, it had cinematic issues, but it was fine. It was a good... Well, and f- and for the first time in any of the movies, you get a true splash page. I mean, that one shot in the first Avengers of them all yeah. back-to-back fighting was awesome. But then you get the big splash page moment yeah. when they're all fighting Ultron. And, and then I the mean, moment when they're all shooting shit at Ultron. And you're just... That made me giddy. Well, the one go before that to the opening. Mm. Yeah, but that to me wasn't as awesome of a splash page image as know. the Ultron it... battle. It was complete fan service. It was just to be fucking awesome. And another thing that a lot of superhero movies, with certain exceptions, Spider-Man especially, had a real problem with was the posing. It's very hard in the real world to get somebody to pose like a comic book character does and look cool. Um, One of my favorite moments in the first Spider-Man movie was in the final fight with uh, the Green Goblin when uh, you get that one shot of Peter Parker on top of the rock, his suit is decimated, half of it anyway. Mm-hmm. And he's got one leg on top of the rock, and he's got the other leg kind of extended down. That is right out of the comics. Yep. And until that point, you hadn't really seen that a ton. Mm-hmm. And then you get a splash page with all the Avengers in one shot, just kicking fucking ass. I was like, this is amazing. Also, it shows you that it's done by people who truly love comics. Yes. Like, I'm... I. 
I don't want to sound like I'm shit talking Age of Ultron. No, no, no. I don't think you are at all. And it was also the second act of three acts. Right. So I'm perfectly willing to sit with it exactly as it is. Yes. Ultron was a great villain. There were a lot of great action sequences. I loved the final conversation between the last Ultron and Vision. Yes. And it's also setting up everything for the fucking Civil War. I cannot believe that they're going to be able to get the Infinity Gauntlet and the Civil War (laughs) into the same movie series. I, I just I just can't wrap my mind around how awesome that is going to be. So, yes, now we're going to be starting the third act, which is going to be it's going to be really bittersweet. Well, we haven't gotten Ant-Man yet. Oh, that's right. Fuck it. You saw Ant-Man and I haven't. I what did. say you? How connected is it truly to the rest of the universe? Uh, I mean, he is a very. huge part of the Avengers. Very. But it, it is a, definitely a very from what I've seen from the trailers and everything, a very solo adventure it's, movie i mean it is it's an origin story right so it's as solo as the first thor was right uh more solo than captain america was does it give any tidbits for where everything oh god goes? yes oh fuck yeah all okay. yes all over the place okay so the original ant-man uh pym hank pym yeah he is not ant-man now right He's it hank starts pym. with him sort of retiring right it's michael douglas right basically yes yeah and then so he takes on fucking paul rudd right what what is your opinion of Paul Rudd just in general? Not regarding Ant Man in specific, just him yeah, as just an actor. Yeah, he's he's fine. Yeah, uh, I think given the right script and direction, he is in, he's hilarious. What is your opinion of him in Ant Man? Uh, I think he was the right choice for the role. Good. He because like the Ant Man that I'm in any way familiar with, right, is like the asshole wife beating womanizer right. Ant Man. <laughs> yeah, but that's not this dude. Like, and this again, is from what dude. I saw in the commercials, they. Put him in the fucking suit that's from the comics. Yeah. Yeah. How do you do that and not make it look ridiculous? I don't know, but they did. (laughs) It's a comic book movie, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. It had its problems. Sure. As a movie. It is pretty weak as a as a part of the whole. Right. As its own movie, it's it is what it is. It's fine. Right. Uh it has the God, I can never remember her name. The English chick from Captain America. Oh. She's in it briefly in the, Agent at the Carter. beginning. Yes, yes. Now she has her own series. Yes. So she's in it for a brief moment. It is a pretty s- standard superhero origin story right. sort of movie. There's nothing super surprising in it. Right. There's more comic relief than not comic relief. Although the whole train thing in the trailer made me laugh out loud. It made me laugh out loud in the theater. They're having this huge battle, and then all of a sudden just, chink, this little Thomas, train falls it's over. Just, it's just Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing that bothers that bothered me and us in the house as a whole the most was that the the science was both a big deal and also bad right like i'm okay if your science is bad if it's not really kind of the main focus of right your story but the science is kind of pivotal I mean, like up to this point what is the science we've had the science of the hulk and the science of captain america not exactly founded in the real world oh, and and the iron man suit and the iron man suit yeah okay i mean fine Okay, so Bruce Banner gets hit by a whole bunch of gamma radiation, right. which should have killed him but turned him into the right. Hulk instead. Right. That's it. That's all we know. Like, yeah. that's not science. That's magic. That's, right. I mean, <laughs> that, that's magic. It's science beyond our understanding, which makes it magic. Uh, Thor is also magic, but he's science magic as well. Kind of, yeah. The Iron Man suit is like, it's science and technology, it, but Stark can do that because he's fucking genius. Right. None of us are geniuses. We could never understand. Right. Like, I mean, okay, fine. He's got a Jarvis and I don't, so cool. Exactly. Uh, But this is like really 
just supposed to be science science. I mean, slightly superhero-y sure. science. The Pym particle is not real science. But right. they explain it and its function using real science. Right. And the science is bad. Right. It's not science magic. It's just bad science. Right. And that's a little distracting. Sure. If you care at all. Like, if, right. if that's a kind of thing that would distract you, it will distract I, you. I don't think it would bother me. Okay. Because and I don't so think it bothers most people. Science. Uh, but it, it it was a little irritating because that is the kind of thing that will distract me. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, it's still a comic book movie. I don't really give a shit. Where would you put it run. with the rest of the movies? Just above Iron Man 3. Okay. That's not so bad. But I think I might put Iron Man 3 second from the bottom. <laughs> so it's fine so as it's, far as the rest again, of the movies go. perfectly enjoyable. Yes. There's I can, none of them are not perfectly enjoyable. It's a perfectly enjoyable movie. So and he actually has a fight scene with Falcon. Oh, does he? Like yeah, he goes to okay. the New Avengers place where the New Avengers are. He fights with Falcon. Really? Then later the post-credit scene, spoilers. <laughs> Do you care about spoilers? No, tell me please. Okay. Post-credit scene is um uh, Falcon is at, at the end of the movie. Falcon is shown asking after Ant Man. Okay. The post credit scene is set slightly before that part of the movie where Falcon is asking after Ant Man, okay. trying to find him. Where Cap and Falcon are discussing. It is either actually a clip from Captain America: Civil War, uh-huh. or is taking place during Captain America: Civil War. Right. Uh, they are talking about how they have found where Bucky is and he is apparently in some high security facility and they don't have any way to get him out. And Falcon goes, I know a guy. Ooh. So they're going to bring Ant-Man in to break, to like break into this yeah, 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 yeah. to get Bucky out. Cool. So that's how that ties in to the rest of it. Excellent. Well, that is that excites me, actually. Now what, you'll have to remind me, I'm sure you got the list in front of you. What are the plans for the third tier? We know it's all ending at the Infinity War, parts one and two. But we've also uh, it's heard not that... actually all ending there. It's not. There's one after that. What? Okay, so here's the the eleven upcoming movies. <sighs> okay. Captain America: Civil War. Right. Doctor Strange. Yes. Oh, I cannot wait. It's gonna be awesome. Strange. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. As yet untitled. Uh, Thor Ragnarok. Okay. Avengers Infinity War Part 1. Excellent. Black Panther. Cool. Captain Marvel. Oh. Avengers Infinity War Part 2. Mm-hmm. And Inhumans. Ah! Which they have set up uh, through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thus far. Yes. Uh, Yes, they have. Um, I have been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm not done with the second season yet, but I'm close. Um, Me too. and that's the thing we can't even like. It would take an. This is the brilliance of what Marvel has done. There's so much. They have encompassed everything. Yes. They have. They have done something that. I mean, this. This is gonna be the new. The new blueprint for big superhero franchises in the future. And I think that people have wanted to do this kind of thing before, but never thought it would work. Well, and it Marvel is literally has multimedia. So been like fuck you, this works because there's a mini Avengers universe basically happening on netflix tv now that is gonna kind of come towards an avenger ish climax who knows if those people are gonna pop up in the movies or not spider-man's finally gonna be in the marvel universe which we've wanted to see for so long yeah i'm so glad they released him oh me too it's one of the most brilliant strategies i've ever seen played out because the blueprint was there they knew what they were gonna do they've done it with quality 
And, you know, we've only talked about the movies. There's so many other things. Whoever was responsible for the seed of an idea needs to be given the Nobel Prize because this has been. I don't know that I disagree with you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just been awesome to see. And it is finally, you know, we loved seeing Batman in real life. We loved seeing Spider-Man in real life. But this has been the truest way of taking a comic book and putting it into a movie that anyone has ever done and maybe ever will. Because it's not just the one movie. It's everything. It's this beautifully intricate, interconnected world. You can go back and watch the movies again and again and again and pick up little Easter eggs, hints of what the other movies are going to be. And it's all leading to we thought the Avengers getting together was a big deal in the first Avengers movie. I'm sure when we get to the Infinity War, somehow they're all going to be there. Yeah, I believe that's the plan. All How they're going to do that? that, I have no idea. Yeah. But I'm so fucking excited to see it. This is the way you get over sequel burnout. You expand the world, you expand the story, you bring in other characters from other franchises that people already love. It's just sheer brilliance from beginning to end. And you just cycle them through. Yes. And so you it's keep never the story like a moving sequel. forward. It's more like a soap opera. It's yeah, just absolutely. Like it's, it's a, a cinematic soap story. opera. Yep. Yeah. Because obviously there are points that they've wanted to hit in sequels that they did in the first movies, but never has any of these sequels been just a retread or just a, well, let's do the villain of the week it's all interconnected and it's all moving the story forward and it's all about character development and even in the movies that aren't as celebrated or great as the other ones there's still a reason for them existing it's astounding that they've been able to pull it off yep it totally is and so, i mean we're definitely not the first people to go no, all this not. and people way more knowledgeable just about like film we're not going to be but... the first people to shit all over the prequels which we oh, will hell yeah. eventually but we're going to do it in our own way and who knows we may have hit some points that other people missed but I don't care because it was fun to talk about. And I can kind of talk about this kind of shit forever. Obviously. I think this has been because, our longest recording. Cause... Uh, yes. And I don't even think I'm going to let it be a two-parter. I think it should stand alone because we're actually censoring ourselves a little bit because we could have talked about it so much more and so much longer. We could have yeah. spent a couple of hours on each movie. Yeah, I think that every movie could be its own episode, Absolutely. Honestly. So just but, trying to cram all this. This is our own Infinity War. Yeah. Trying to cram all the shit into one episode. But we're still under <laughs> two hours, so we did good. Good. Good We for just us. hit the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe to this point in under two hours. We're awesome. We are awesome. We are the Avengers of podcasting. Sweet. Can I get, like, a cool costume? Uh, sure. If you can go out and buy yourself one. Oh, okay, I do want to add one thing really quick. Yeah. People uh, have been bitching because Black Widow doesn't have her own movie. Oh, yeah. And I kind of see why, like, Marvel's actually been having some problems with having Black Widow be a thing. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know how much of that you're aware of. No. But she, like, they don't have really any merchandise for her. Oh. She's not kind of represented anywhere except in her places in the movies. But she's probably had more crossovers than any of the characters. She has. She absolutely has. She's had, and she's had a lot of screen time. But a- outside of that screen time, she's basically a non-factor. Right. Which bothers a lot of people and sure. I, I can't say that it doesn't at least strike me as odd but i am actually one of maybe a few, only a few people who don't think she needs her own movie okay they just need to spend a little more time on her as a whole person yeah although i will say they made a big step with that in avengers 2 i thought not really the whole subplot with her and and, and banner was pretty sweet mm. Kind of. Getting behind her psychology a little bit. Most of that was focused on how she is trying to find love and can't have babies. Yeah, but at the same time, that was a deeper level that we've gotten up to this point. I mean, it was totally more 
info about her, but I would like more more her as a whole person, sure. not her as that. having a vagina. <laughs> okay. I don't think she needs her own movie because Black Widow is a secondary support character. Like, right. that's her point in the comic books. And to give her her own movie, I think, would not be true to character. Sure. Because she is awesome at being right next to someone else. Right. Like, regardless of who it is, that's a good place for her. She works very well there. Right. But she is also her own whole person. She has a very rich backstory that is not just involved with her vagina. Right. I see That I would like to see. Well, I think we will. I really do. I hope so. Um, because she's gonna, she's definitely going to be in Civil War, for one thing. Um, oh, yeah, we're going to see her in the in other Avengers everything. movies. Yeah. So I think we are going to get a little bit more about her. I hope we do. Because um, she is pretty awesome. Uh, last question to close it out, though. We had just mentioned we are the Avengers of podcasting. Pick your Avengers character. Who would you be? Uh, like, if it was me and the Avengers were all, hey, you're going to come be an Avenger? <laughs> no, no. If you could be an Avenger now. Not, not you, but... If you could be someone, I just that's take over the role of like yeah. I just become that Avenger. Yeah, yeah. Who would I be? It's not who, an easy one to answer. Who, who does Loki have sex with? <laughs> I would be whoever that is. Okay. Except I don't think that's anybody. So, uh, can I say can 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 I be Phil Coulson? Yes, absolutely, you can. I think I would be Phil Coulson. Excellent. I would probably be the Hulk. If I could control it a little bit more, I think I'd like that. That'd be pretty cool. Just to say, don't make me angry. <laughs> you wouldn't like me when I'm peeved. You wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. <laughs> I mean, they're not. I'd have to get a handle on the whole not having sex part. Yeah, I don't think you could do that. No, probably not. But damn it, I would try. Unless they <laughs> introduce She-Hulk, then I'm all like, all right. Uh I'm so the Hulk. Well, anyway, we hope you have enjoyed this geek love celebration of what has been the best series of comic book movies, bar none, ever put to film. And you should totally like tweet us or email us Absolutely. at lucky10,000 lucky10, at gmail.com or yeah. at lucky underscore 10k on Twitter and tell us what you think. You can also rate and review us on Stitcher, which we would appreciate. There's just so like the Avengers movies themselves, there's so many there's so many levels to the Lucky 10,000 that you should explore them all. Absolutely. So, thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. We hope you have enjoyed. Hope you got lucky tonight. Good night, nerds. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan and Carissa. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com. <laughs>